Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is Podcast 289. Kurt Mortensen here. Welcome back as we learn how to maximize your influence, your persuasion, and get what you want, when you want, and win friends for life. Hopefully you're on a good week. Things are going well. It was a, um, let me just put it to you this way. I'm sore. I got persuaded. I'm not sure how it happened, but I got bamboozled, persuaded to run a half marathon, and a little sore today, but I survived. The goals are very simple. Don't walk, don't die, and finish. <laughs> Didn't break any records, but I am paying the price today. So hopefully you're not in the sore category like I am. So let's dive into the podcast and start off with our geeky article. And this one's titled, Persuasion Traits May Affect Susceptibility to Persuasion. Maybe that's what happened to me in the persuasion process to get me to do this run and hammer my body. This is done by Tracy Pedersen, Edge Hill University in England, and the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences. There's one. So they looked at three different personality styles. The fearful, shy type person who's maybe a little socially inhibited and a little anxious. They looked at the malevolent. They're more extroverted, self-oriented, and sometimes a little manipulative. Then they look at the socially apt, who's agreeable, extroverted, and conscientious. What they found is that the fearful people were more likely to follow the crowd and be persuaded to do something by people in authority. And the malevolent profile was less likely to be influenced by authority figures, less willing to return a favor, and more likely to be persuaded if something was only available for limited time. Then they found that the socially apt people were more likely to be persuaded if it helped maintain their commitment to something they'd done before. So kind of interesting. They spent a lot of time talking about this, but bottom line here is they found that people that are more shy, more socially inhibited, authority works the best. And those that are more outgoing and extroverted, we'll call it, did a lot better with scarcity and things being only available for a limited time. And those that were more extroverted, I guess we'll call more social, have more more of those social radars. And this makes sense. They were more likely to do it if they made a commitment to do it. They got the yes beforehand. So if they made a commitment, they said they're going to do it, they were more likely to do it. That makes sense because that maintains the relationship. And that's always been my key point, persuade people how they want to be persuaded in different styles, different personalities, different tools work better than others. And it's your job to be able to use the right tools. So before we get into the blunder, let's get into some listener email. Remember, that's Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Oh, boy! In fact, go to Maximize Your Influence. You can find everything you need from the archives to listening to the weekly podcast to the free book, Maximum Influence, to taking your persuasion IQ. Whatever you need can be found there at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. This one's from Matt Golombeski. I hope I'm getting that one right. It says, thanks for a great podcast. Love the content. 
He says, putting on the scientist-psychologist hat for a moment, what does research say about buyer's remorse? What does it say about the buyer and the seller? What if the seller comes back to you and wants a refund? Is there anything we need to consider here to prevent this from happening or to deal with it when it happens? Absolutely. Let's talk about remorse. Let's talk about refunds. It's real. Sometimes it's a slam to our ego. How could somebody ask for a refund when you put in your heart and soul? We get emotionally involved. That's not always the best thing to do. But let's start with the remorse part. Because before the refund, there has to be remorse, which is a form of dissonance. If you've studied that law of persuasion, cognitive dissonance, that's in maximize your influence. And so we have to say, okay, where does this remorse come from? Where do they get to the point to ask for the refund? What happened? So a couple factors here. One is frustration. They're feeling frustrated for some reason. Now, a lot of people don't realize that frustration comes from unmet expectations. Either expectations that were spoken or unspoken, they didn't get fulfilled. They felt frustrated. And if that frustration isn't handled soon, it could quickly turn to anger. Here's an example. You get a restaurant, you order a salad. Uh-oh, there's a large cockroach in your salad. You're like, uh, waiter, dude, come on, cockroach. And then you're like, oh, hey, sorry. And with their fingers, they pull the cockroach out and say, all right, you're good to go. Now, I'm assuming, I know you shouldn't do that, that you'd be a little frustrated to where that was not your expectation. Your expectation was a new salad and probably a free salad, and that can quickly escalate to anger. So that is something that you have to think about. What is the expectation here that they were expecting? What did, was it that, again, spoken or unspoken, what was it that did not get fulfilled? Another thing that could cause remorse is understanding emotions versus logic. If they were persuaded strictly on emotion, and when that emotion faded, they had no logic to back it up, it made no sense, that could cause remorse. You have negative social validation. What is that? When a friend says, oh, that was stupid, <laughs> you're smarter than that, or they say something negative about them, maybe it just seems too complex, too hard. Confused mind says no. Maybe there's just something there that once they got it, they realize, man, this is a lot of work, and I don't want to do this, and they want a refund. Or maybe they felt that you lied or misrepresented the product. I mean, I rarely ask for refunds, but one time I did ask for a refund. I'm not going to name names here. A famous persuasion sales speaker, and the salesperson was selling a seminar. I, hey, I love persuasion sales, wanted to go. And I said, hey, is this going to be different? I've already been through his basic seminars, his books. Is there going to be anything different here? He said, oh, it's all brand new and all different. And when I got there, it was all exactly the same. The seminar I already went to. And he misrepresented it, and I did ask and did get a refund in that moment. So the big picture here is expectations. You've heard it before, exceed expectations. You've heard under-promise, over-deliver. That's all managing expectations. In fact, let's talk about the persuasion blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't! Because that got to be pretty tick to go for a refund. It's such a hassle. you got to call and do this. But this time warranted it. I was visiting... The Dominican Republic, it's in the Caribbean, and I rented a car from Avis. And when I got there, they wouldn't give me a car unless I bought this insurance, and the insurance was going to triple the car rental price I was promised online. Nobody told me it was required. I have always have a, you know, a credit card that will take care of it, but no, in this country, 
you had to pay for insurance. It tripled the cost and went back and forth. And I was going to be late, so I went ahead and did it. But the more I thought about it, it made me mad because I wouldn't have rented a car if I would have known this because I could have Ubered. There are other options. I really didn't need a car. Plus, if you've ever driven over there, it's probably not a very safe thing to drive a car with all the motorcycles and cows and donkeys we talked about on a previous podcast. And the challenge was I was frustrated. So I sent an email, see what happened. And I got a response back, and it didn't even sound like they read it. Some stupid cut and paste. It was a computer that answered it. And I said, look, no, this is the issue. This is what's going on. Got another email back. It's like they didn't even read it, which made me more of that frustration, that unmet expectation of at least reading my email and saying you're sorry or something wasn't there, and that escalated anger. Now I'm, I'm after blood. I want that refund, and eventually got to somebody that would read my emails and that would give me proper response, and they did refund the insurance portion of that car rental. So they did make it right, and that's the key here as we talk about how we fix this? What do we do when they get to refund mode? So let's talk about that how, okay? So I know a lot of you are in different industries, so I'm going to kind of shoot down the middle. For example, hotels we've talked about before in the podcast, that the first thing that happens when you walk in that hotel, if the first two or three things are rotten bad, make you wait in line, something goes wrong, that whole time you're looking for things that are going wrong, right? Looking for things to give you a reason to be mad. And so you have to make sure, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, that the first two or three things go right. Because if they go wrong, they're looking for things that are wrong. Another thing you could do is to make sure they don't get to the refund part is some type of bonus. Sweeten the pot. Add something they weren't expecting. I've mentioned before that I've sent cookies. Do something that is a surprise, that has a high perceived value, maybe a low cost. Adding an additional coaching session, whatever your world is, that can change the perception of value and reduce that remorse that could trigger a refund. Another thing, and let's talk about the network marketing industry, MLM. Been meeting a lot of successful people in MLM lately. I know a lot of you have had different experiences, but there's a lot of good things about network marketing. But the way they persuade probably is not the best, which is the reason it has such a bad reputation, I'll say, because they're not taught the right way. For example, they get someone all excited to be in network marketing, to have their own business, and they say, go talk to your family and friends. That's all they say. All right. So they go talk to Uncle Frank, and Uncle Frank says, well, that's stupid. That's dumb. You've got to inoculate. You've got to prepare them for that pending attack. You're like, say, look, some people are going to say it's a pyramid scheme. Some people are going to say this and give them the ammunition to refute that. Otherwise, they're just going to hide in their closet. And that's another thing with network marketing is setting those realistic goals. I've seen so many presentations. Oh, yeah, just show them this video and they'll hand you the credit card. There's no selling involved. I'm like, hello, it's all sales. It's all persuasion. That's the only way to be successful in any business. You can't just smile at somebody, hand them a video, and think that's going to be persuasive. It might be a great start, but you have to have realistic goals. Or even if you are cold calling on the phone, you've got to set that up to say, hey, 99 will hang up on you, they'll be me, but that 100th call, that one other person, right, setting up those realistic goals. And it's all about managing those expectations, creating a vision of the effort it's going to take, a vision of the victory, maybe even a vision of some of the losses. What I mean by that, some studies have been showing that it's good to visualize. Let's take sports, for example. It's good to visualize the win and everything's perfect and 
every play is perfect and every pass is perfect if we're talking about football. But they found that it's not perfect. When things don't go perfect, that that vision just disappears. But sometimes you've got to visualize losing. And what I mean by that, not in a negative way, is maybe visualize yourself losing. You're down by 14, and you came back and won is more realistic than always everything's perfect and every play is perfect and everything you do is perfect. So if you can visualize something negative that you're losing but you're coming back to winning, it's still a good vision to have, but it's more realistic. And part of that is using presuppositions, which is just talking in a way where they're presupposing it's already happening, that they're, they're doing it, that they can see themselves doing it. Powerful way to help them create that vision, to see themselves using your product, your service. I mean, expectations are huge. They just change the way we think. You give Harvard students rats, right, to run in the maze. They're always running in a maze for some reason. Half the students get smart rats. Half the students get dumb rats. Uh, rats. But for some reason, the smart rats are a little faster. You tell someone, oh, it's a hard test. You get different results and say, hey, that's an easy test, right? Expectations. You give two school teachers of equal talent, give them classrooms of equal IQ. One teacher say, whew, do your best. They're not very bright. And the other teacher, they don't allow this anymore. Tell the other teacher, they're smart, they're bright. Of course, you get different results. And so you have to understand these expectations. Not yours, theirs. Remember, frustration is coming from unmet expectations. And the final thing there, just be more likable. (laughs) It's hard to ask for a refund when you're a likable person. Talked about this before on the show that, yeah, number one reason doctors get sued. The patient didn't like them. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's how it works. So let me give you a case study, something that I did. In fact, I think we need a sound for a case study. (laughs) So I'm called into this company that educates people on how to make more money through home business, through real estate, internet, stock market. They're teaching people how to become financially independent. And it was a great program, a lot of successful people, but they were, had very, very high refunds. And it wasn't the quality because the people that were doing it were very, very successful, but the refund rate was through the roof. I got to come in and fix this. Now, this is a very high-priced, high-ticket item, and that can be a part of the remorse problem, but this is what happened. First thing had to happen, we had to add a welcome call. And train the people doing the welcome call to get people on board and and, and kind of map out step-by-step what's going to happen. Because if you left it up to them, there's too many classes. And when do I go to this one? And what about this one? Where do I start? It wasn't mapped out. So make it as easy as possible. And where they were starting to kick, as they would call it in that industry, or get that remorse or ask for a refund, is when they had to do the disclaimer, the legal documentation. And the person doing it sounded like a lawyer. No offense, lawyers. Well, maybe a little bit. But it was just pure legalized, dry, big words, very scary. And so I had to train the salespeople to get them ready for that phone call. I said, all right, we got to do this legal thing. And it's going to be the driest thing ever. You're going to have to have toothpicks in your eyes to stay awake. But, you know, it's part of the process. And prepare them, inoculate them for that. That made a big difference. Then the key factor was creating an orientation call, right? Map everything out. What that did was social validation. There are other people on the call that also purchased. But even more important, that is a sales call. You're reselling, you're resolidifying, you're bringing up the motions and basically teaching, like, look, if you don't make this work, it's your fault. 
for example, real estate. And we'd say this right on the call, right? A lot of people get into real estate. They try it for two or three months. They say it doesn't work. And I'll say right now, it didn't work for you. Because look at the millions of millionaires created in that industry. So this call not only mapped everything out, got them excited, social validation. And bottom line, they realized if it didn't work out, it would be their fault. In a nice way, it was packaged in a good way. That made a big difference. And then I added some courses, of course, on persuasion, especially in that world. When people fail in these businesses, it's usually they're missing some either mindset skill or persuasion skill, a self-persuasion skill, negotiation skill. So we added courses on mindset, millionaire psychology, and that personal development, whatever you want to call it. That just puts people in a different frame of mind and giving the skills to be more successful like persuasion and business management skill, which a lot of them did not have. And that made the biggest difference in the world and dramatically, I mean dramatically reduced refunds. Now, another one I added is that added an extra step. And you got to be careful here because people tend to abuse this. It was just a form people had to fill out, a very simple form people had to fill out to request their refund. With that extra step, a lot of people just never filled it out. At the time, it was important, but later on, it wasn't important. They really didn't want that. Now, this can get bad, unethical, cheesy, I guess we can call it, to make it as hard as possible, like infomercials when they send you something, especially something really big, the box disintegrates, it breaks apart because they don't want you setting it back in the step of finding another box to send it back enough to, oh, you know, not do it. Or I've heard the exercise equipment's designed so when you put clothes on it, it doesn't fall off. It just stays on there, so it's like another closet. I'm just trying to, I'm being funny there. I have heard that, though, but I don't know how true it is. And on the unethical side, a lot of insurance companies, when their claim comes in the first time, they just deny it. They don't even look at it. They just stamp, deny, done, get out of here to see if you're going to come back and try again to see if it's really that important to you. So those are some things to do ahead of time. What about when that call actually comes in, wanting a refund, they're upset? How do you deal with these refund calls? Like I mentioned earlier, don't take it personally. I know it's hard. Don't get emotional with them. And the best thing you can do is just sit and listen. Take notes. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their place. See what's going on. The reason you do this is it gets the resistance down. All right? Let them vent. Agree with them. Show a little empathy. Let them know that you're on the same team. And careful with the interruptions. You want to get that energy out. They want someone to blame. Something's wrong. Expectation was not meant. And so it's okay. As long as it's not two hours <laughs> to do that, let them vent and try to be on their team. Agree with them. Yeah, man, I'd be mad too. I understand that. And if it's appropriate, remember what we've talked about in the show before, that apology is cheap. I'm sorry. That was not our intent. Wow. That's embarrassing. Now, not always appropriate, but man, that diffuses anger and frustration real fast. And it gets them in a better mindset for it to help you give a refund or even turn it around. And with that, try to find that expectation that was not hit. Where's that source of frustration? And once you find that, use them to help solve the problem. Wow. What does the perfect solution look like to you? It's probably a lot less than what you're thinking. Guide them. Help them lead the conversation. Is there a compromise there? Maybe you just need to fix it and move on. They don't want a refund. Maybe you just need to extend the guarantee or give them a new guarantee to get them back on track. Because once you find that, that expectation, that source of frustration, and you fix that, a lot of times they'll be, okay, let's keep going. Maybe they want to keep the product or service. Maybe they want to keep doing business with you. Those are things that you can focus on. So try to manage those expectations ahead of time. 
I know I spend a lot of my time coaching, right? Coaching people on persuasion, motivation, influence, giving that perfect persuasive presentation. I got to set up the expectations ahead of time. I let them know I'm not here to sugarcoat it. I let them know that sometimes that I'll travel. We'll have to be a little flexible sometimes on the date. I let them know how long it's going to take for me to return a phone call or an email. I let them know up front, too, that they'll be homework. And that if they haven't done the homework, we can do the next call. And, and this is done in a positive way where they say, okay, that makes sense. But it's set ahead of time. Because if they have an expectation of a return phone call in 30 minutes, I might be in the middle of a seminar. If they just want love and and understanding and lots of hugs, no, no, that, that's not my personality. I don't sugarcoat it. This is what needs to happen. This is how you fix it. This is how you make more money. This is how you're more successful. Make sure you do that in any business that you're in is try to manage those expectations up front. But if you want to learn more about the Law of Expectations from Maximum Influence, either get the free book at lawsofinfluence.com or go to the archives at Podcast 25. We get deeper into the Law of Expectations. But Matt, hopefully that is helpful to you. Make sure you get to our YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, where I pick a topic from the podcast and go a little deeper. On social media, we're also on Pinterest and Instagram at Max Influence. Of course, those are all listed at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So watch those expectations. Don't let it get to frustration. Manage those expectations so they don't even get to remorse. And if they get to that remorse, we talked about steps to be able to do that. And you can turn them around. These skills work. This is proven based on science. Master these skills. Become more influential and go out and persuade with power. 